0: Good evening and welcome to our Bible study and we're going to continue with our study through the book of Job. This evening we're going to look at chapter 5 and that's chapter 5 starting to read at verse 1 and we're going to see how Eliphath continues to speak. So Job chapter 5. Call if you will, but who will answer you? To which of the holy ones will you turn? Resentment kills a fool and envy slays the simple. I myself have seen a fool taking root, but suddenly his house was cursed, his children are far from safety, crushed in court without a defence, the hungry consume his harvest, taking it even from among the thorns, and the thirsty pant after his wealth, for hardship does not spring from the soil, nor does trouble sprout from the ground, yet man is born to trouble, as surely as sparks fly upward. But if it were I, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. He bestows rain on the earth. He sends water upon the countryside. The lowly he sets on high, and those who mourn he lifts up safely to safety. He thwarts the plans of the crafty, so that their hands achieve no success. He catches the wise in their craftiness, and the schemes of the wily are swept away. Darkness comes upon them in the daytime. At noon they grope as in the night. He saves the needy from the sword in the mouth. He saves them from the clutches of the powerful. So the poor have hope, and justice shuts its mouth. Blessed is the man who God corrects. So, do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. From six calamities he will rescue you. In seven no harm will befall you. In famine he will ransom you from death. In a battle from the stroke of the sword. You will be protected from the lash of the tongue and need no fear when destruction comes. You will laugh at destruction and famine, and need not fear the beasts of the earth, for you will have a covenant with the stones of the field. The wild animals will be at peace with you. You will know that your tent is secure. You will take stock of your property and find nothing missing. You will know that your children will be many, and your descendants like the grass of the earth. You will come to the grave in full vigour, like sheaves gathered in season. We have examined this, and it is true, so hear it and apply it to yourself. Shall we pray? Father, again we come in our weakness and our lack of understanding as we come to this book of Job. But we ask that you will just light up these words for us, that we might learn from them and might use them to your glory in the lives that you have given us to live. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, chapter 5. Now, before we continue with what Eliphaz has to say, let us remind ourselves of what he has asked Job to consider. Chapter 4, verse 6. Should not your piety be your confidence, and your blameless ways your hope? So what he's saying here is, look, Job, put your trust in your own efforts, return to your way of life, your way of piety, and God will bless you for it. Then in chapter 4, verse 7, he said, consider now, who being innocent has ever perished? Where were the upright ever destroyed? So what he's saying here to Job is, you know, innocent men don't die before their time you think these words are likely to bring comfort to a dying man? Is Eliphaz saying, you won't die because you are innocent and God will rescue you? Or is he saying, you will die because you are guilty? And Eliphaz in verse 8 of chapter 4 goes on to give Job the benefit of his experience. He's saying, I know what I'm saying because I've seen it with my own eyes. And we saw that in chapter 4, verse 12 to 16, where he tells Job that he has had a vision and he's heard a voice. And based on what the voice has said, he assumes that Job must have sinned and that God is now judging him and is judging him by making him suffer. So here, this evening, we come to chapter 5 and Eliphaz starts by challenging Job So chapter five, verse one and two. Call if you will, but who will answer you? To whom of the holy ones will you turn? Resentment kills a fool. He's saying, Job, you seem to be just crying out. That's all you're doing. You're crying out. You're telling us about how bitter you are, about what has happened and how you feel. You feel that you are being treated unfairly. Who do you think is going to listen to you? Job, you're acting like a fool. So Eliphaz goes on to say to Job, Listen, I've seen all this sort of thing before. So in verses 3 to 5, I myself have seen a fool taking root. But suddenly his house was cursed, his children are far from safety, crushed in a court without a defender. The hungry consume his harvest, taking it even from among thorns, and the thirsty pant for his wealth. Let's just stop for a moment. How do you think Job feels hearing all this from his friend? Now, whether or not Eliphaz means it, however he doesn't, it sounds an awful lot like what has happened to Job. And is there a suggestion here that it it might be that it's Job's children who have sinned? Or maybe it's because of Job's sin that his children have suffered. And, And That line, his children are far from safety, crushed in court without a defender. That sounds like they stand guilty in a court, the verdict is given. Now we know that this is not true because we know from uh, previous chapters that Job, he was very, very careful to uh, protect his children, to bring his children up in order that they would not offend God. And we know that this is not why that Job is suffering. How, as we think of these things, and we see this suggestion here, just think how Job must be feeling. And then Eliphaz goes on. For hardship doesn't spring from the soil, nor does trouble sprout from the ground. Yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upwards. So what's he saying here? He's saying, you must know, Joe, that these things don't just happen. There must be a reason. The phrase we often use is, there's no smoke without fire. There's no fire without, there's no smoke without fire. You see, there is a reason And Job is looking for the answer. And in his search for the answer, Job will not compromise or let go of what he knows to be true. We need to hang on to that and remember that. Because Eliphaz now gives Job some advice. He's asking him to recognize who God is and then humble yourself in his presence. So he says uh, in verse 8 through to 16. But if I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. You know, this is good advice. The word uh, appeal expresses an urgency that something needs to be done and the advice is to pray. But what should Job be praying for? Eliphaz now goes on to speak about God and he says this. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. You know, this is a true statement. He's going to go on to make true statements. Listen to what he continues to say as he speaks about God. He provides rain for the earth. He sends water on the countryside. The lowly he sets on high, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. He thwarts the plans of the crafty so that their hands achieve no success. He catches the wise in their craftiness and the schemes of the wily were swept away. Darkness comes upon them in the daytime at noon. They grope as in the night. He saves the needy from the sword in the mouth. He saves them from the clutches of the powerful. So the poor have hope and justice shuts its mouth. You know, all these things are true, and they are all evidence of God and of God's power. But depending on the circumstances, these truths that have just been referred to do not always apply. But Eliphaz is suggesting that they do. He is suggesting that the wicked will always be punished within this lifetime and that the faithful will always prosper. He's not accounting for the fact that judgment will come, but that will be a time later on, on the last day. So what does Eliphaz recommend? Well, in verse 17, blessed is the one whom God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the almighty. That sounds good, but what's wrong with this when it is applied to Job's situation? Let's listen uh, as we Uh, hear what Eliphaz is, is continuing to say but before we do let's just stop for a moment because what he's saying here is Job, look, the magnitude of your suffering tells me that you have greatly offended God, that's the only answer to all this and his recommendation assumes that Job is being punished by God for some sin that he has committed And that God is using this suffering to bring Job back to the straight and narrow. Therefore, Job must submit to God's will. And then Eliphaz is saying, All will be well. But this assumption cannot apply to Job's circumstances because Job has not wronged God. Job is innocent, Job is humble. Job is submissive to God's will. And Job knows all this. It's just that he doesn't understand it. So Job is not despising God. Job knows that he is not being disciplined by God, but he knows that he's suffering. And so he is questioning why these things are happening to him so as i said let's read on because eliphaz is now going to give advice to job and this advice is no help at all because eliphaz sees job as what we would call a backslider so verse 18 through to 27 For the wounds, for he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. From six calamities, he will rescue you. In seven, no harm will touch you. Just stop for a moment. This phrase that you come across another part of scripture for six and sometimes seven. It means to go beyond that which is required. And what he's saying here to Job is, look, Job, no matter how much you've sinned, and we know that it's really great, it must be great because of the condition you're in, but you are not beyond redemption. But Job has not offended God. He is a sinner. He's a sinner saved by grace. And at the moment, he is still faithful to God. Then Eliphaz goes on. In famine he will deliver you from death, and in battle from the stroke of the sword. You will be protected from the lash of the tongue, and need not fear when destruction comes. You will laugh at destruction and famine, and need not fear the wild animals. For you will have a covenant with the stones of the field, and the wild animals will be at peace with you you will know that your tent is secure, you will take stock of your property and find nothing missing, you will know that your children will be many and your descendants like the grass of the earth, you will come to the grave in full vigour, like sheaves gathered in season. We have examined this and it's true, so hear it and apply it to yourself. Again, we must stop for a moment and consider this. This is basically good advice, but it's good advice for the penitent sinner. But we know that Job is not being judged for his sin. He's being tested for his faith. The phrase we might use here is that Eliphaz has got hold of the wrong end of the stick and he won't let go. Now the stick here is actually his theology, his beliefs. And his theology might be fine but his application of it is wrong. At this point, a word for us as we stop and consider these things before we get too critical of Job's friends. You see, Eliphaz is a godly man. He has come to a friend with the good intentions and with a desire to console Job. His belief in God is commendable but his approach to job is based on his assumptions that he thinks that he has the answers but he doesn't because in his mind he sees job as being guilty and because of this he and his friends will progress with this train of thought and this will eventually lead them to see job's suffering as being is just deserts and we'll see that as we go on through the book of Job but just for this evening let's consider these things and let's just apply them to ourselves and see not so much ourselves as being the one who suffers but the one who is seeking to console the one who is suffering you see Job doesn't need assessment he needs assistance He needs to be comforted and not condemned. He doesn't need his friends to tell him what to do. He needs his friends to show him what they can do. The reality is he needs a good Samaritan, someone to bind his wounds. His friends are acting like the priests and the Levi who, in the parable that Jesus told, were full of their own importance. They saw the man's injuries, they looked down on his state, but they literally looked down on him. And instead of tending to him, they ignored him. Now, Job's friends are not walking past Job, but they're not helping him. I just wanna finish uh, this evening with a few verses which These do refer to um, ourselves, to challenge ourselves, how we see other people, and also how we see ourselves. Matthew 7 verse 1 to 5 Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And then a final verse from James, James 4 verse 11. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judge them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. You know, sometimes the scriptures are true, but sometimes we can take those truths and misapply them because we are thinking that we have the answers and many times we don't let's just pray father we thank you for this passage of job and we ask that as we go through this book of job that you will continue to speak to us speak to those who might be suffering at this time and also speak to those who seek to be those who bring comfort And may we bring the comforts of your word as you would have us apply it. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.